you know, you're a creator, you have free will, you're creating things at all times. So when you're able to see that you're able to tap into so many different sides of you, you're able to be that magician and be like, okay, what energy do I want to call upon to move forward to the next stage? I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Have you ever noticed that no matter how much you work on your lifestyle and your diet, that you still have issues with your gut and digestion? You still have times where you're feeling a bit bloated, gassy, maybe have some brain fog because your food's just not going down right? You might have something called dysbiosis, which is a crazy imbalance in all of the various bacteria that exist in your gut. Well, I found a solution for you. It's freaking awesome. They're called Just Thrive Probiotics. You can find their website at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. Here's all you have to do to get rid of all those problems. I know it sounds too easy, but it's true. You take one capsule per day after a meal or as directed. The capsules can even be opened and sprinkled on your food or in drinks. You can even bake them up to 455 degrees. Not that you would, but you could, which means they survive your digestive tract and all of those acids and all the heat inside you, unlike most other probiotics, because these guys are a spore-based probiotic. Just Thrive produces RDA levels of carotenoids and antioxidants such as alpha and beta carotene, lycopene, and lutein. That's geek language for healing your gut. That's right. So get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And if you use the code Luke15, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. If you were lucky enough to hear episode 175 with Carly Stein, then you're going to perfectly understand why I'm so excited to tell you about Beekeepers Naturals, the best bee product company in the world. If you missed 175, I'm going to encourage you right now to go back and check it out. Now, I've been into bee products for a long time. I take propolis, the bee pollen, the honey, the royal jelly, all of that. But it's kind of a guessing game when you go to the health food store to figure out which one's the best, which one's really organic. Does that even mean anything? Turns out not so much in many cases. But when it comes to a company like Beekeepers Naturals, you know that you are getting the most pure and most potent bee products on the planet and that the bees are being protected and taken care of. Now, a lot of people just use bees for their amazing products and kind of abuse them, to be honest. Not to get crazy here. I mean, I know it's only a little bee, but they're a crucial part of our entire ecology on planet Earth. So not only taking from the bees is important, but giving back to the bees is equally as important. And Beekeepers Naturals does that. But more than anything, just straight up, they make the best tasting and the most powerful bee products on the market. So I'd really love for you to get over there and check them out. You can find them at beekeepersnaturals.com. That's beekeepersnaturals.com. If you use the code lifestylist, you will save 20% off your order. If you're just starting out over there and you don't know what to get, I'm going to recommend that you try Bee Powered because that's got all of the superfoods from the hive 
in one jar. It's delicious. It's super potent. And I'm on this stuff uh, almost every day. I can't have it every day because then I go through a jar in like four days because I'm just nuts like that. But this stuff is just absolutely insanely powerful and pure and it's tested for pesticides and toxins. It's clean, it's legit. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, use the code lifestylist to save 15%. If you're like me, you sit and listen to podcasts where there's a ton of value given and information provided that you want to follow up on. People will mention a book or a supplement or a practice or a website or a path to enlightenment. And you're sitting there in your car or on the train or wherever you happen to be while you listen. And you're like, oh, what was that? Oh, I got to write that down. I got a screen grab. I got to take notes. It's a pain in the ass. I've missed out on so many great resources because I'm just not in the position to document something while I listen to a podcast. So as a result of being a podcast listener and fan myself, as well as a host, I've decided to uh, up the quality and detail of my show notes. And now my show notes have complete transcripts as well as timestamps of every single thing we talked about. So uh, this, of course, requires a lot more work and it was um, you know, substantially more expensive to produce them this way. And I want to make sure that my hard work and hard-earned spent money <laughs> on the upgraded show notes don't go to waste. So I'd like to invite you with great enthusiasm to please join my newsletter so that every Tuesday I can send you these badass upgraded show notes and you can have all of the resources that I talk about with my guests in every single episode. Now, I've always had show notes, but they weren't very detailed. They were just kind of, you know, maybe 15 bullet points that we talked about. Now they are excruciatingly detailed. And anything and everything talked about on every future episode is going to be linked and documented uh, very thoroughly. So if you want to get on the newsletter, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. If you don't want to use the browser and you have a U.S. phone, I've made it really easy. You can text me. Text the number 44222. That's 44222. It's a weird number, but that's that's all the numbers. And in the body of the text, just enter the word lifestylist, all one word, lifestylist. So text lifestylist to 44222 or go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. And you're going to get the upgraded show notes delivered to your inbox every Tuesday. Okay, let's talk about today's guest, Sahara Rose. She's been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by none other than Deepak Chopra. Probably because she has a knack for making spiritual and Ayurvedic wisdom fun and relatable so that it can serve the needs of today's people. And that's what she does in this episode, straight up. She is also the best-selling author of three books, Eat, Feel Fresh, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and A Yogic Path. She's also the host of the Highest Self podcast, on which I've been a grateful guest, which is ranked as the number one top podcast in the spirituality category on iTunes with over 11 million downloads. Damn, girl, that's a lot of downloads. She's also the founder of Rose Gold Goddesses, a sacred sisterhood collective supporting women in becoming their highest selves. This is a really fun episode, man. I love her. She's just a cool girl. It's her second time on the show and uh, she's just so smart and articulate, but also very kind and sweet and just, she's just an awesome person. I would have her on the show all the time if I could track her down. It's worth noting that this one was recorded on location at Attune in Atlanta and I'll be back at Attune this year. Uh, their website is attuneexperience.com. 
They're also found on Instagram at Attune Experience. This is where I recorded the recent shows with Joe Dispenza and John Wineland, amongst others. So it was a really great series. I was kind of on a roll at that particular event and had a great time recording not only Sahara, but the other guests that I mentioned. So uh, it's kind of a special little Attune tour series. And there's even a couple more coming out from that same period. What we talk about with Sahara in this episode are the three doshas and why it matters to know yours, uh, why we should stop buying Palo Santo, possibly, and some good alternatives to make your space smell good, the Ayurvedic approach to manifestation and abundance, the yogic path card deck and how to use it to guide your own path, Sahara's top self-care practices, the challenges Sahara faces and how she uses her Ayurvedic training to overcome them. We cover her strengths and weaknesses in business and her personal life, the best ways to deal with stress and anxiety. And finally, we cover the three-day Kichari cleanse and how it's transformed her life. So this is a really fun and deep conversation with Sahara Rose on how she uses Ayurveda to improve her life. And I encourage you to listen through to the end so you can do the same. Thank you so much for joining me and enjoy the conversation with Sahara Rose. Sahara Rose, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Luke. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, round two. Yes. You were on the show back when it was a wee little podcast. Now it's kind of grown up. It it has. I mean, it was never wee little, but you know, it was two years ago that you were on mine also. And it's just amazing to see how much your work has expanded and how many more lives you've affected, including my husband's, which is awesome. Because I feel like <laughs> I couldn't get through to him, so you got through to him. Yeah, it's bro code. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? That That's how it is though. Sometimes I've dated people and they don't want anything to do with the stuff that I'm into. Yeah. You know, they're just like, dude, you're crazy. Like it's all too much. But then they'll hear someone else talk about it and they'll come home and be like, oh my God, I'm going to start wearing blue blockers. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But it's just, you know, you hear it from who you hear it from. But I'm For sorry sure. to hear that um, he's perhaps burning through y'all's life savings on all these biohacks. You know, we need to get that amp coil, the meditation neuro device, the chili pad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it. <laughs> I'm telling you, bang for your buck, the chili pad or more specifically the Uller. The, the company is called Chili Technology. They have the chili pad, which is the older one. The Uller is quieter and is much lower maintenance. So I would get that one. I think it's a little bit more. But okay. that's like, especially for relationships Uller. is the game changer. This has been a major thing in our relationship because I am way more Vata. So I run more cold than he does. So yeah. at nighttime, I am like freezing. I'm shivering. I need the socks, like everything. And then he's putting on the AC and I'm like, it's freaking winter. Yeah. And he's like sweating. He's like, well, you can put on more clothes. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable wearing 20 layers to sleep. So. Totally. Um, so this might just like literally save us from a divorce. So thank you. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I think it will. Yeah. And what's cool is even like in the summer, what's rad about it, this is a totally weird Uller commercial now, but um, in the summer, when you both agree that it's super hot, especially mm-hmm. in LA, um, you can have two of them and they're individual pads that go on a king size bed. So you each have your own side and it goes just under your fitted sheet. I mean, you don't even notice it's there. They're just like water veins in... Um, these silicone tubes basically mm. inside a kind of a thick sheet. So like you could have yours on cool and he could have his on cold and then you don't even need to run the AC. So it actually saves a lot of energy mm. and money. Like in my house, it's, I don't know, maybe 1500 square feet. It's two stories. I don't need to like AC the entire house for 
nine hours a night, you know what right, I mean? Right. So I usually leave the AC off and just crack a window and then have that on. And it's it can be hot in the room, but you're still cold. So it's dope. Anyway, enough about that. What's new with you? Um, since we last spoke, you got married. How's that going? Yeah, it's going well. We got married in, in June. And you know, I think the key to any relationship is for both people to be doing their dharmas, like living their soul purposes, because then you're not projecting all of your own shit. Like, oh, why aren't you here for all my needs and all everything that I've ever wanted? And I think a lot of times in you know our nuclear family structure is like, okay, now you're husband and wife. So he's going to be your best friend, your confidant, your sex partner, like everything you've ever wanted. And you can't really expect that all from one person. So, you know, I have been creating this Oracle card deck and writing my next book and speaking and doing all of these amazing things. And he works in the music business and and busy growing that and getting more clients and DJs and whatever. So it's been great because when we come together, we're like full in our own lives and we can just like share our accomplishments without depending on each other for anything. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really interesting observation. I guess if you have one of the coupleship that's kind of still meandering and hasn't quite found their thing or they're struggling to maybe they've found their thing but the world hasn't found them yet so they're you know unable to be um, as successful as they want it's going to put a stress on them and then that enters into the relationship absolutely yeah totally and what do you guys do when you have conflict what are some tools for resolution that you found useful yeah i mean so i've been learning a lot about relationships and how you know, a thing that I found really helpful is that some people are like waves and some are like islands. So people who are like waves, which, you know, in a relationship, there tends to be one more wavy person, one more island person. So someone who's a wave, when there's a conflict, wants to talk about it. They want to know what's happening, like what's going through your mind. Like they really want to discuss it and hash it out. You know, their energy is is more outwards. Where someone who's more of an island, when something happens, they retreat. You know, maybe they don't even share what it is for a while. Maybe they want to go take a drive. Like they can't really come up with how they're feeling at that time. So they just need time for themselves. But that makes the wave person freak out even more because it's like, here is a conflict and now you're retreating and you want to like go take a drive in the middle of our conflict. So I realized I was more of a wave and my partner was more of an island. So when there's a conflict and I can feel him retreating or sometimes he literally will leave instead of taking that personally and being like, what are you doing? You're running away. I can be like, okay, that's what he needs because for him to actually come up with how he's feeling, he needs that space to figure it out in himself. And most of us are attracted to people who are the opposite of us. Yeah, totally. That's funny. As you, I've heard that paradigm from some... Is that... Who, There's who, a book who, on it. Oh, there is? Yeah. yeah I've, heard, mm-hmm. I've listened to or read a book with, with that framework. Um as you're saying it though, of course, I'm like, hmm, which one am I? And it's funny because I'm the wave. If the other person is pissed off, I, that's very uncomfortable for me and we need to fucking fix it. <laughs> but if I'm pissed off, then I'm the island and mm-hmm. I need to just get away so I don't say anything that I don't, right. you know, that I'll regret later and mm-hmm. I can really just process and get my composure and then come back. Thankfully, I don't get pissed that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's, those kind of insights are important to have, you know, to understand each other and recognize the differences and value them and just learn how to kind of work with them. Yeah. Even seeing the doshas of the other person in your person and your personality and your relationship. So someone who's more vata in a relationship is like, they want to be spontaneous. They want a lot of freedom. They want to like try different things. And for them, like having a routine, like come home at seven, have dinner. Like we have sex at 9 PM and then we sleep like that will kill them. 
So a Vata person, which you are definitely Vata, which we talked about last time, they need the freedom. They need to travel. They need to explore. They need to have different friendships in their lives. And and that newness will help them keep the relationship alive. Whereas people who are very Pitta, they like to really know like, okay, where's this relationship going? Like, what are our routines? Like they need to have like, you know, some structure around the relationship. And if they don't have that, they feel like, oh, are you not in this? Do you not care? Like you must not be as passionate as I am. So if you're in a relationship with a pit to person who needs to know like, okay, this is our plan. This is what we're doing and not to cancel on them or something. That's really important to honor that. And then if someone's more kapha, which is the earth dosha, they're someone who's just really chill. Like they want to just like stay home and like, you know, cuddle and like watch a movie. Like they don't want to go travel. They don't want to go to all the parties. Like they just want to really be inward. And if you're in a relationship with someone like that and you're someone who's really like, you know, extroverted, trying new things or very pitta discipline, there there could be some, you know, some differences there. And I do think that we are meant to be with people who are the opposite doshas as us. If it's two vatas, you might just be like really into each other and then like not care. If it's two pittas, it could get really intensive. Like who's holding the structure and who's holding the energy and who's making the decisions. And if it's two kaphas, you might be like, let's just stop having sex. Like you might just become roommates. So it's those polarities that make us attracted to our partner, but it's also what can create those differences. I know we talked a little bit about the doshas before in your first appearance, but it was so many episodes ago, people might not. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to Sahara's first one. I don't remember the number offhand because there's so many of them, but we went deeply into that. But just as an update, because you might've learned more, had more experience at this time, other than the framework of relationships like that, give us kind of the archetypes of the three doshas and other ways in which it... Um, influences our personalities Mm -hmm. and what we eat and how we like to move and all of that. Yeah. So these three doshas come from Ayurveda, which is the world's oldest health system and the sister science of yoga. So most of us, you know, nine out of 10 Americans has practiced yoga, but why most of us are doing it are actually for Ayurvedic purposes. So yoga is actually a spiritual practice. The word yoga means to yoke. It means to become one with Brahma, the universe. But Ayurveda was the predecessor and it said, well, how can you become one with the universe when your back hurts and you're anxious and you have a stomach ache and all of these physical and mental problems? So Ayurveda is essentially that predecessor and it says, how can you balance your mind and body so you can truly tap into the soul? Now, the way that I do it, you do it, one listener to the next is going to do it is very different and that's going to depend on their dosha. So the word dosha means energy. It's essentially an archetype. And we each have a unique set of these three doshas, but in varying amounts. So the three doshas are vata, which is air, pitta, which is fire, and kapha, which is earth. So someone who has a lot of vata, a lot of air, mentally, you know, an airy person, like what do you imagine in an airy person? What is their personality like? Spontaneous, fluid, passionate, always moving. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, And so what do you think they're good at? Art, mm-hmm. creativity, mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. expression. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Like big picture things. They're very imaginative. So like art is a really good example. Like it doesn't make sense. You know, there's no logical reason why we create art, why we create beauty, but it's just that expression essentially coming from source. And that's very vata. So if we have a lot of vata in our minds, we're going to have exactly these types of personalities. But if we have a lot of vata in our bodies, we're going to have a lot of air. So that's bloating, gas, constipation, cold, dry skin, dry hair, eczema, you know, anything that's think cold and dry, like 
low hormones. That's going to be an example of vata. So for example, the reason why I got into Ayurveda was I had a super bad vata imbalance that led to my body shutting down. My body went into perimenopause when I was 21 years old and essentially stopped creating any hormones, stopped being able to digest food, faint all the time. Like My body was just like, I, I can't live like this. Why? Because I went raw vegan. And I was only eating cold, dry, raw foods, which are super vata. And I was already super vata and I was just perpetuating this imbalance. So we are born with different doshas, but our diets, our lifestyles can make us further go into them or further get out of them. So that's vata. And a lot of people, especially health conscious women are super vata because society tells us, go on a juice cleanse, just eat salads, just eat smoothies, like just eat raw cold foods all the time because you'll lose weight. And these are all vata increasing foods. They're all cold, raw, dry. So that's why so many women, they're like, I don't know what my purpose is. Like, I don't know. I'm into a lot of things. Like I can't figure it out. And then they get anxious, which is like the biggest problem in society. They suffer from insomnia. They're trying a lot of things, not able to stick with it. This is all vata. So if we look at that and we bring that back into balance, not only are you going to stop being bloated and you know that's the biggest problem people have, but your personality will shift and you'll actually be able to follow through with those creative ideas. So the Vata, like if you think about it in business or entrepreneurship, it's the stage of idea brainstorming. I know this all so well. You're like, I know a Vata. (laughs) (laughs) Or and you, you have Vata and you too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about like finishing projects. Yes. You know, like the creative process for me, the, the part that's fun is having the idea yes. and, and setting the ship a sail. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, okay, I built the ship and putting it out there, but steering it anywhere and following up with it and refueling and fixing the, you know, it's like once it's done, I'm just like, I'm bored next, right. you know, it's, so finishing has not ever been my strong suit. Right. And a lot, a lot of that, of you know, Vata, people born very Vata, which you are, they were born to be starters, they were born to like create that spark and create that idea and essentially like download it. So they weren't necessarily like, you're not meant to like come into a business and like become the CEO of it. Like that's not for you. You are meant to come up with new ideas in the next thing. However, at the beginning of something, you need to nurture that process within yourself. Otherwise, it's not even going to get to the point that someone else could take it over. Right. So Even in any project, any business, we go through these stages. So the vata is the coming up with the idea, but the pitta is the execution. It's taking action on that idea. So pitta, what it looks like in our mind, you know, a fiery personality. So what is a fiery personality? Like, what does that sound like to you? Again, I go back to passion. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing of just caring deeply about people and things and having a point of view and... Um, liking to mix things up and stir things up. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, of course, I'm thinking about myself. I'd have to identify my other Vata friends and whatnot. But so what would a fiery, um, that fiery person? Yeah, the, yeah. the fiery is like, I think for me is breaking the status quo mm-hmm. yep. and not wanting to live inside a box, not being in the matrix, red pilling everyone mm-hmm. as often as possible into different ways of thinking and experiencing reality. Totally. I mean, fire is transformation, right? Only fire can take like a house and like turn it into ashes. It's like that energy of Kali, who's like the goddess of like transformation and death and rebirth. So that's like that pitta energy. So in a personality, it's like ambitious, like get shit done. Like this is what I want to do and I'm going to go do it. And to do that, there's a level of structure. There's a level of organization. So people who are very pitta, 
they're goal oriented. They need to know, okay, like where is this going? Like, for example, if they're taking a walk, they're like, where are we walking to? Like they need to, they don't want to just like aimlessly stroll around. They really need to know where they're going and then they can direct their energy that way. For example, like Gary Vee, you know, why do we love him? Because he's so passionate. He's like, come on, like stop waiting, create that content, just go, go, go. And it's like that fire, that drive that he naturally has. He does step into people's businesses and create orders and systems. Like that comes very naturally to him. So that Pitta personality is a bit competitive. They can be a bit aggressive sometimes. They they thrive off of that level of like, I was able to perform the best. They're very, they're calculating, they're keeping score. They're the kind of people, if you hang out with them, they're like going to send you a Google Cal and like have you like confirm 24 hours before. And it's like, oh, are you going to be late? Like, where's the parking? Like they need to know everything. They're super structured. Like their minds really are on top of time. Like that is everything for them. Whereas like Vata's like, time doesn't exist, you know? Totally. Where like yeah. a pitta would be freaking out. Like if, if you know, you were moving different rooms and stuff, like a pitta would be like, okay, I need to know where I'm going so I can do that thing, which is kind of like a hyper-masculine, you know, characteristic of like, where's the fire? Where's the bow? So I could shoot it. So it's helpful when you're creating a business, when you're launching a project, if you're an athlete, if you think about Madonna, she's very pitta. She's like in her 50s and just like crushing it harder than ever before. But, you know, with all that fire, when things don't go your way, you can get angry. You can snap. That fire can turn into a volcano. And then in the body, that looks like hyperacidity. It looks like rashes, inflammation, irritation. If you break out into hives. Like I remember I tried to turn myself into a pitta. <laughs> I, I was like, I really want to be pitta. It sounds so good. So I was like drinking all this coffee and all this spicy food and going boxing, listening to rap music, going to hot yoga, like <laughs> Damn, anything. You went all out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And then I broke out into hives, which has never happened to me before. My body was like, we cannot handle all this pitta. So you're not meant to change your dosha. Your dosha is related to your dharma. It's related to your soul's purpose. Like it's your gift. However, it's important for you to also like balance the other ones. So they're not these like gaping holes in your pocket that you're constantly like coming up with the idea and not doing anything about it. Like have enough pitta so you're able to do it, but it doesn't mean turn into a pitta, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. To to access pitta for me, uh, the execution on detail work. Detail work is the follow through that's that mm-hmm. I find challenging. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I need to go meet with this person. I can meet right. with people all day long, but mm-hmm. it's more like making an Excel uh-huh. spreadsheet or even reading one. It's like, oh God, it's just so tedious. Mm-hmm. I just want to move quickly through mm-hmm. things. But um, I find that working with nootropics, mm-hmm. like I was talking about mm-hmm. in my in my talk uh, here this yeah. weekend, that makes me pitta where I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish the thing. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be organized yep. and I'm going to keep chipping away at it until it's done. Then I'm going to get this sense of satisfaction. Right. So my, I find my brain needs a little bit of um, instigation mm-hmm. in order to kind of get it to lean that way so that I can right. execute something in that way. So I'm, I think, unknowingly learning how to you know, oscillate between those different energies. Yeah. I mean, even coffee, you know, I call it pitta juice. Like what does coffee do? It just (laughs) makes you feel more pitta. But speaking of which, I did not get one this morning. So you're like, my vata's all over the place. No, you know, it's funny. Actually, I didn't even notice until you just mentioned it, which is weird because I often think I'm kind of addicted to that one coffee Mm -hmm. in the morning. But I got here and they were like, oh, we're closed till dinner. I was like, okay, adapt. So, but that you're right. I mean, caffeine is for some people and I metabolize caffeine quickly um, based on genetic testing and stuff, but 
I still notice sometimes it gets me super wired. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we crave the foods, the practices that knock us further out of balance. So if we think of it like a pendulum in two directions, balance, imbalance, someone who is balanced further craves the things that bring them into balance. So for example, if you're very Vata, you want to have warm foods, grounding foods, you want to ground, you want to like sit and meditate, which are, you know, practices you do, you're balanced. So your body knows like, I need to chill. I need to ground. I need to calm down. Whereas someone who's out of balance is like, celery juice cleanse, like let's go crazy, spinning, soul cycle. Like that's it. Soul cycle is all vatas in the building. You know, like, let's run away from our problems. So the more out of balance you are, the more you further crave those things. A pitta who is balanced knows they need to cool down. They maybe like spend time near water. They maybe do things that are cooling, like even an ice bath, something that cools their, their fire down. Whereas a pitta who's out of balance, they want to do something like aggressive. Like they want to fight or like watch a fight. They want to drink a lot of coffee. They want to eat spicy foods, things that are more stimulating. They want to like work super hard all night. And that's going to further knock them out of balance. So you can kind of see where you are in your dosha by what you're craving. And then there's kapha. So kapha is the earth energy. So if I was like, oh, that girl's so earthy, what do you think she's like? Quiet, uh, slow moving, slow speaking, more introverted, reflective, kind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we think exactly the earth is slow, right? Every process of the earth is, it takes its time, you know? But if we think about the earth, what does it do? It provides us with everything. Water, oil, gas. It's like, I got you. So kapha people are like that. They, they take their time. They're habitual. They like to have their routines. They're very giving. They're very nurturing. They have that like mama, papa bear type of energy to them. They're good natured. They're stable. Like people could be freaking out around them and they're just like, I'm chill. I'm cool. They're really anchored. They're really grounded in who they are. They're not the people who's like out there trying to impress people, trying new trends. They're like, this is me. So if you think about Oprah, she's a really good example of a kapha. Like, why do we love Oprah so much? It's not because she gave a riveting talk. You know, she's not Tony Robbins, who's very pitta. He's like clapping and jumping and like getting everyone this super pitta state. That's his dharma. Like he was there to do that. Whereas Oprah just is like, child, take a seat. What's happening? And just like pauses. And in that pause, you're able to come up with your own conclusion. Like imagine if I did the entire podcast like this. How would that make you feel? Too slow. <laughs> you feel like anxious. I think I would think you would. Um, what's her name? Chris, Kristen Tippett. What's that? That host on... Who Chrissy does the, Teigen? No, Chris. <laughs> She does the like, I think it's the Sounds True interviews. Okay. She's great. Yeah. She but, interviews Eckhart Tolle and those people. Chris, Chris, Eckhart Christy, is very Christy Tippett. Too. I okay. think Kristen or Christy Tippett. Um, I'm it's sure very radio voice. many listeners know, but yeah. But <laughs> I always wonder when I listen to her because she's like that, but she she's really good at right. eliciting that kind of energy from the guests and she mostly does spiritual ones. But I always wonder, is that how she talks in real life? Like she get home and tell her kids like, kids so perhaps we could sit down and talk about cleaning up your toys <laughs> you know like she liked that all the i don't know if she has kids but like you know she's like I mean? having sex she's like harder yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would it be possible perhaps um, just philosophically speaking to speed up the rate in which you're penetrating yeah what do you propose about um the 
the doggy style. (laughs) No, I mean, so some people are really like that. They're just so anchored and some of us love it. We're like, I need to be around more coffee people. Like I need to chill out. Like that feels really good and calming. And others of us, I'm very Vata like you. I'm like, oh, hurry up, like go faster. But there is a lot of power in that pause. You know, like sometimes in our society, we feel like if I don't talk fast enough, if I don't give you enough value upfront, I'm going to lose your attention. But Oh, I totally have that. Right. But actually, if I talk really slow, I pull you in. But we're so afraid of doing that. And we're so afraid of taking pauses in our lives. We're so afraid of the kapha, you know? I mean, a lot of what you teach is like, to take that time back, to retreat, to go into nature, to like take that 30 minute meditation, even in the middle of your day. And we're so afraid of that as a society because we feel like if I take that pause, I'm going to fall behind. So that kapha energy is actually super needed in our society right now. And some of us are born with just that Oprah energy, that Eckhart Tolle energy. We're just like very... Robin Williams, such a good example of this. Like he was so grounded and funny, but we also did not know that he was hurting. So what happens a lot with kapha is they are like holding space for everyone else. Think the earth is literally holding our space. But because of that, they feel like if I express what's going on with me, then the world is going to collapse. So mentally speaking, vata most likely to suffer from anxiety. Pitta most likely from anger, irritation, kapha from depression. So knowing that and knowing your dosha helps you see like, okay, what are my like habits that I, when I'm out of balance, I fall into. And then what dosha is that related to? And then now what are the tools that I can use to bring that dosha back into balance? Because, you know, moving too fast and going too slow are two very different things. And, you know, practices like meditation can really help. But like a meditation, if you are so lethargic, is going to be one that's more activating. It's more stimulating. Maybe it's a moving meditation, a dancing meditation, shamanic shaking. If you're burnt out, that's not what you need more of. You need to cool down. You need to swim. You need to do something else. If you are super anxious, you need to ground. So what Ayurveda does for everything, meditation, diet, food, whatever it is, it helps you understand what your body needs at this time so you can cater your lifestyle to you. When you start dating someone, how do you without being a weirdo, find out what what their coach is. (laughs) Just slip them my quiz. Be like, oh, there's this quiz. I'd just love for you to take it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a quiz on my website, IamSaharRose.com. If people are like, I don't understand what I am. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Actually, I I remember, I think I took that before our prior interview. Yeah. Yeah. So it breaks it down. That's a great resource. Yeah. It breaks it down, your dosha in your mind and in your body. So the one that you are in your mind, you want to be doing the meditation, the lifestyle practices to bring that dosha back into balance. And then the body, you want to be eating the foods. So when you take that quiz, it sends you a bunch of videos, free e-course. So you'll get a lot of information. I've written two books about it, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda and Eat Feel Fresh. So there are a lot of tools and practices out there that you can do from dry brushing, oil pulling, tongue scraping. Um, But essentially, like for example, when you're dating someone, you can tell, is this person a more fast moving person, really quick, like artistic, right? Or are they someone who's really, you know, type A, ambitious, go-getter, entrepreneurial? Or are they someone who's more like calm, restorative, peaceful? And maybe they're in between too. You know, Most of us are not just one. Like these examples of like, for example, Steve Jobs, Joe Dispenza, Vata, right? Super heady. Tony Robbins, Madonna, Pitta, Oprah, Eckhart Tolle, Kaffa. Those are very extreme examples. But most of us are like somewhere in between. Like you're Vata, Pitta. You know, you're creative, but you're also like, you're also doing things. You're also, you're not just like, 
on the outskirts of society coming up with the ideas. You're also channeling them through. But I would say probably the dosha that you're least of, and that's why you're cultivating it in your practice is kapha because you know you need that more calm and that chill. So that's why you're bringing it in your lifestyle. So it doesn't mean you're like screwed. It actually means the doshas that you're related with are are related to what kind of work you're meant to be doing in the world. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I'd like to share with you two of my favorite things. One is delicious, organic, mold-free coffee. The other one is medicinal mushrooms. And you know who makes both of those in one product? Drum roll, please. Of course, our longtime sponsor and my friends at Four Sigmatic. Now, you're probably thinking, why would I want to mix coffee with mushrooms? Doesn't that taste gross? Well, I can guarantee you it tastes just like regular coffee, not at all like mushrooms. It's also made with 100% organic Arabica coffee beans. It's got no sugar, no carbs, no calories. That means it's, of course, vegan, paleo, sugar-free, dairy-free, all that good stuff. Although mine's not dairy-free because I make mine with ghee or grass-fed butter, but you don't have to. You could put some other fat in there or just drink it black if you want to be hardcore. It also has half the caffeine of regular coffee, which is really cool. So you can kind of gauge how much lift off you want. You know what I'm saying? So if it's like later in the day, I'll make a Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee by opening up one of the little packets and I'll just use one. I'll make myself a great little pick-me-up drink. But if it's a morning and for some reason my sleep sucked or I'm traveling, I might put two to even four packets in either hot or cold water. Sometimes, honestly, when I'm traveling, I'll just like put a couple of those in a bottle of water, shake it up and just have like coffee for the sake of its medicine, right? So they're really easy to use and you can take them anywhere and you can really customize your coffee in terms of how strong it is. So I think this product is just absolutely fantastic. I've got a special offer for you. You can get 15% off your Four Sigmatic order by going to foursigmatic.com slash Luke Story. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C, foursigmatic.com slash Luke Story and get 15% off your order. And a really good place to start is their amazing coffee. And now back to the interview. The thing that I find interesting about Ayurveda and just Indian culture in general is the vegetarian, mostly vegetarian piece. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this ad nauseum on the show because I have a lot of, uh, you know, extensive um, experience as a vegetarian and Mm -hmm. it didn't serve me. And through all the food gurus that I've interviewed and all the people that I see online, there's all these sort of, you know, endless debates about like what the perfect diet is from... Mm -hmm raw vegan to keto to this to that and I don't even pay attention to the noise anymore mm-hmm. I just really try to tune into my body and when it's time to eat I go hmm body what do you want and right. most of the time what my I guess mostly uh, vata body wants is just like meat Mm-hmm. That's it. Like the 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 anything outside of kind of and some vegetables here mm-hmm. and there. Sometimes I'll crave like a leafy green salad or something. But outside of healthy fats, meat, vegetables, some blueberries here and there, mm-hmm. occasionally a little bit of fruit, not much, um, not a lot of carbohydrates. When I'm in that zone, which isn't even like a particular diet or anything mm-hmm. that I try to strictly adhere to, but when I'm in that and I listen to my body that's when I feel best mm-hmm. and have the most energy and the best digestion. And that's kind of when food agrees with me. Mm-hmm. And when I veer off that, like uh, the other 
a couple of days ago here, the only thing I could find was like some dal, you know, like some lentil kind of soup and it smelled nice. But I was like, mm, I don't know. Those are, those are baby plants and plants are designed to not want you to not let you eat their babies. You know, it's really hard to digest legumes and seeds and things like that for some of us. And, and I had it and I was like, remember, okay, don't, don't impregnate this experience, Luke, with a preloaded negative thought that it's mm-hmm. going to hurt your stomach. So right. I was like, oh, this is the nourishing, beautiful food. <laughs> I blessed it. And I was like, it's totally going to be easily digested and, and all of that. And it wasn't horrible like mm-hmm. it has in the past. I think because of that intention, I chewed it very well. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it was soaked or cooked for a long time, mm-hmm. which made it easier. But I definitely felt crappier than I would have just eating a piece of salmon or mm-hmm a steak or, Mm -hmm. you know, some bison ribs or whatever that I've been eating here the rest of the time, you know? So is there any, out of the Ayurvedic system, since there's not a lot of eating of animals, is Vata one that does better on meat, even though that's not part of the paradigm? Yeah. So, you know, Ayurveda is a very ancient science. It predates Hinduism. Oh, okay. So in the traditional Ayurvedic text called the Shraka Samhita, they actually list specific meats for different doshas. The dosha that would need, need meat the most is vata. And it's actually prescribed medicinally oh. if you are very vata imbalanced. For example, if you have an iron deficiency or you just gave birth or you had an eating disorder or you know something that your body really needs the nourishment, that's actually, you know especially meats that are more grounding like lamb, something that's very warming in quality. So- that it always had it and there was no kind of, you know, is this right or wrong? It it just was part of the medical system. Then when Hinduism came to be, which, you know, Lord Shiva was with his bull and cows are considered holy in India. So it really took on this vegetarian standpoint, which now today, most Ayurvedic doctors, practitioners out there are vegetarian. But to me, I think that, again, it depends on what your body medicinally needs. Like we need you to be your healthiest self so you can share your gifts. And if you feel like shit, like that's not helping anyone. You're helping a lot more people by you eating meat than you not eating meat and feeling like crap and not helping these people. So from to me, from the highest perspective, eat what makes your body thrive. I also think that we can carry stories of what we need I've had phases in my life that I've, again, been a raw vegan. And I'm like, I need this much raw food for me to feel good. And then and then that ended up not being true. And then I've had phases, I've done so many different things and I've really believed it. So I think our, our minds have a lot of power too to tell us what we need and then our bodies can follow. So I, I bet you if something were to happen that there you weren't able to access as much meat as you are now, your body would still adapt. But if right now you're getting it from a sustainable source and you know where it's from and, and this is what you feel the highest in, then go for it. Yeah, I think it's also just the simplicity of it and just... <laughs> the ease of just getting full as quickly as possible. Right. Which is super Vata who's like, I just want to be full. You know? Whereas Pitta is like, I like, I live to eat. Oh yeah. And you're not like that. I I don't care about eating at all. Right. It's problematic when I date sometimes because that's part of a shit. What restaurants do you like? You're like, none. Yeah. Oh, it's part of it. For some, it's, it's a, you know, something they hold. Especially kapha. It's like very just like, "Mm, the taste and the sensation and kapha is really attracted to like comfort foods because it's so sweet and enhances kapha. Whereas it's actually what they need the least of. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of like, let's just get this done so we can go do something important. (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating. Although some, you know, obviously sometimes like a well-cooked meal is really special and there's something sacred about it. But 
when I'm by myself and single, it's more of a utilitarian thing. Like, oh God, I got to eat. How annoying. What can fill me up the fastest? All right. Mm. You just wolf down a steak. Done. Mm-hmm. Don't have to eat for another six hours. You mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I want to ask you about your deck. Because yes. you mentioned, uh, what is it called? A moon deck? A yogic path. A yogic path. Yeah. Okay. And so... Did you say it was a moon reading? What do you call the reading? Yeah, it's an oracle card reading. An oracle card. That's yes. okay. Okay, that's yes. it. So, yeah, because I saw these on your site and I think someone else, maybe Shaman Dirk or someone was mentioning. Yeah, yeah he's, it was he's in my deck. He's oh, one of the characters. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. He was mentioning that to me. And I was like, oh, I want to see these things. What's yeah, up with that? So essentially, you know, what oracle cards are, are they're cards that reflect your own intuition, right? These don't have the answers. You have the answers. These cards can just help reflect and tap into different, you know, considerations that you haven't before. If you believe that there are spirits, that there are, you know, energies out there, then you can actually help use these as a way to call upon those energies. So for example, you might be shuffling the deck and say, what message do my spirit guides have for me? Or like, what what should I be focusing on today? Whatever question you have, and then you could shuffle the deck with intention. And what I like to do is when I pull the card, I don't look at it. I actually just keep it in my hands in, you know, namaste position. And then I let my intuition tell me because most of the time you already know, you know, and if you just let your intuition tell you the answer, then you actually don't even need to look at the card. But then looking at the card allows you to then see, you know, what's showed up for you and then how can that reflect on on where you're at right now. So I'd love for you to pull a card. Yeah, cool. So yeah. what question do you have first? Like a question in life right now? Yeah. And it could just be like, you know, what should I be focusing on right now? Or what practice is really benefiting me? What should I call upon? Oh, I have a, I have a good question. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Yeah. If you want to share uh, it. Where should I live? Okay. So it's not going to be like San Diego. <laughs> They're not geographical is cards. too specific? <laughs> but you could say like, you know, what do I need to be focusing on to help me find my perfect home? It has to be something that's within you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So actually, okay. Or like what energy is related to the place that I'm going to live? I haven't, I have a better one then in the context of this. And it has to do with, you know, we're moving toward the end of, I think this will come out in 2020, but at the time of this recording, we're at the end of 2019. And I have, you know, roads in front of me for 2020 that are different projects or different directions I could go with my brand and Mm -hmm. offerings and such. And so it's kind of like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Hmm, I could do this, I could do that. And I'm I'm faced with over the next couple of months making a decision about where I really want to focus my energy Mm -hmm. now that I know how to do what we're doing right here and Mm -hmm. kind of have that systematized, so to Mm -hmm. speak. So my question um, to my higher self would then be um, what direction do I want to go in terms of creating a product or service um, that I can offer the world? Love that. Now, Is that feel... better than where should I live? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So now mm-hmm. just kind of place your hands over them and kind of scan what card is is attracting you right now. Like and energetically, where are you feeling pulled? For those of you listening to this, um, just remember, you can always watch all of these interviews on my YouTube channel, by the way. Because people oftentimes we do things like this and I'm sure it's like, oh, what does that look like? Yeah. So you can watch the video. And then once you pull it, just put it between your hands. Don't look at the card. Okay. Should I have my eyes open or closed when I pull the card? Open. Okay. Okay. There she is right here. 
Okay, just place it between your hands and namaste. Do not look at the card. Okay. What do you think the card has to say? What do you think the answer is? Forgive the silence, guys. I want a real answer here. Stand by. Okay, I got an answer. What did it tell you? The answer is do the thing that's going to be the most fun for me, mm. <laughs> not the thing that's going to have um, the biggest financial impact on my life. Yes, yes. But do the thing that's going to bring me the most joy because that's the thing that's going to benefit other people. Absolutely. More so than the thing that like makes logical sense as a business move. Mm, beautiful. So now let's reveal the card. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. The card. Wow, these are gorgeous. The art is dope. Yeah. So they're all the actual ancient statues from 2000 plus years ago that we sourced. So you're seeing Whoa. like the original depictions of that goddess, deity. So this one is Durga. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, so now... I'm going to show the, the YouTube camera here. So, so now that's Durga, guys. what I recommend doing is look at the card and based off of what you see, what do you think that that card is telling you? And in these cards, we have a lot of almost like subliminal messages. There's a lot of symbology. So even without knowing who Durga is, just looking at that is going to kind of deliver you some information. Yeah, it's interesting without intellectualizing it and just going from the gut, this particular card has a deity with what appears to be 12 or more arms. Uh, and then there's also on the card, as you said, in kind of a subliminal fashion, there's a bunch of eyes um, on top. And so the first thing that came to mind was it's one, of the, one of the ideas that I'm considering bringing to fruition is doing some more... I do workshops and stuff, but doing longer form retreats and just mm. full immersion, like just hardcore, take mm -hmm. someone for a week, take their phone away and just go to town mm -hmm. with some transformation. And so all of those arms kind of represented, initially the first thought was um, uh, integrating a bunch of people at once, a group of people, which might even be that number, a small number like mm. that, 12, but a more profound experience to share with people. And then the other uh, thing next is uh, something that I've, I don't want to say struggled with, that's a little heavy handed, but something I've pondered is because I'm into so many different things and such a broad spectrum of healing on mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit, all the different levels. And I'm always just working on things personally. And when I find a solution, I share that. But with all of these, these 12 or so arms is um, this Durga deity has just accepted and integrated all of those things and not tried to choose, oh, I have to go in this direction or that direction. Mm. And that's something that I've been kind of arriving at because mm -hmm. I don't really, you know, when I go to a spiritual conference kind of like this, I don't totally fit in. I'm not Shaman Durek, you right. know, I'm not, it's like, that's not my thing. Right. Um, and I go to a biohacking conference. I'm not like a geek scientist right. either. Here, So sometimes I'm like, where's my home? And I think what I'm arriving at is I'm going to make my own home and make yes. my own scene and just do things my own way, which is an amalgam of all things that I find to be um, healing and restorative. And they're coming from all sorts of different teachings. Mm. And so having all those different arms could also mean like kind of grabbing from everything that the universe has to offer and embodying that myself as is in the in the statue here and um, and just kind of owning that 
proudly and integrating that and just making um, making it up myself rather than trying to fit in a box of some category of thought leader or speaker or whatever yes. the case may be. So look, you got all of that without even opening up the book yet. <laughs> it's amazing, right? It's like we have the answers within us. And yeah. we oftentimes we like turn to someone else who has the solution. And it's like, sometimes it just takes like taking a moment, getting still, asking the question, letting your intuition answer. And then if you just need further affirmation, you can pull a card and it's going to reflect something deeper in you that you intrinsically already knew. So Durga, this card that you pulled is the goddess of Dharma. She's the goddess of doing your soul's work. Oh, word? Really? That's literally what she Whoa, represents. Yeah. Dope. So like, again, there's no coincidences here. Like you could have pulled any card and you pulled the one of like doing your soul's work. Right. And the energy that she really has is she's, she's fearless. She has courage. She is going after what she knows is for the highest good of all. She's like a protector. She's a warrior, but a protector. So like pulling that card is essentially saying like really stepping into like how you're going to heal people, how you're going to uplift people and also not being afraid of maybe like the efforting and the courage and you know the work that it might take. Because Durga is saying like you're going to slay through it. Like you're going to be on your tiger like going after those demons and like boom 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 like dropping that knowledge and it's not going to be difficult. Like that was the story that maybe all of us have held on to before that for me to get to where I want to go is going to be too difficult for me to get there but she's saying like you carry a fierce energy because you're in alignment with your soul's purpose. And when you're in alignment with your soul's purpose, the universe is propelling you in that direction because the universe wants you to serve. So I would keep calling upon Durga, calling upon that like that fierce protecting energy within you. And that way you can't have 12 different things going on. And like, there's a need, like you got the hand for it, but you ain't sweating it. You're not overthinking it. You're just like, boom, onto the next. And it's a very Pitta energy too. It's fire. I can see that. That's well, that's interesting. I mean, that's a such a fit on so many levels. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, the world of like uh, pulling cards and astrology and those kinds of things right. has always been a bit ethereal for me. It's mm-hmm. not something I've gravitated toward because mm-hmm. I, I just crave something that's a little more concrete than mm-hmm. that. But um, I found that to be really interesting, actually. So this Durga character, is this um, a deity from the Hindu tradition? Would this be like a Bhagavad Gita derived kind of? Yeah. So, you know, these different gods and goddesses are coming from the Hindu, the Vedic tradition, but they far stem past, you know, religion. They're actually tantric originally. So they're not like, it's not like a God that you like worship in the way that we were learned to worship. It's a character archetype within you. So we all have all of these deities within us. We all are Durga. We're all Lakshmi, goddess of abundance. We're all Saraswati, goddess of creativity. We're all Krishna. Like it's not this thing that's outside of you, but rather it's an energy that you have inside of you. So when you can call upon that and you can see that I'm able to tap into so many different sides of me. I am not just this one version of me. These just act as characters that you can personify that energy that exists within you. Cool, man. Uh, how many cards are there? So they, I channeled them all at once when I was in India uh, taking photos of my book. All of the cards came through in one go. I was like, Bruh! so there are 54 cards with 108 meanings and 108 is a very auspicious number in, in the Vedic culture. Wow. Yeah. 
What a trip. In terms of, uh, thank you for that sure. that reading. Can I see a couple of the other cards? Yeah. I'm just curious. I want to just check out the art. These are so dope. Who designed these? Yeah. So my friend Danielle, who's like an epic designer and um, like, for example, that's Rosie and like Shaman Dirk's in here oh, and like a cool. lot of people that, you know, you and I know. So there's, there's different people, but then there's also like actual Vedic statues. There's terminologies from the Yoga Sutras, from Ayurveda, from Vedic spirituality, from the chakra system. So it really... Oh, saws. Saw, yeah, it, it helps you. You know, so many of us, we want to know more about yoga, the Vedas, ancient wisdom, but it can be really hard. It can be confusing to be all these words in Sanskrit. And this allows us not only to be learning these terminologies, but also to be working on ourselves. And like, if you pull Durga and you know that that's an energy involved in your life, you want to learn more about it. But if I'm just like, here's the teacher, today we're learning about Durga, like that's not very interesting. So it educates you while inspires you. And more than anything, it's all about a tool to help you tap into your own intuition because so many of us, especially in the spiritual world today, give up our power and we think, oh, I need that healer to figure it out for me or that psychic or astrologer or whatever it is. And you know, you're a creator, you have free will, you're creating things at all times. So when you're able to see that you're able to tap into so many different sides of you, you're able to be that magician and be like, okay, what energy do I want to call upon to move forward to the next stage? When you talk about finding your soul's purpose, do you feel that you've found yours? And if so, at what point did you know that? Yeah. So I believe that we all have one Dharma, one soul purpose. And all of us, are here to raise consciousness. There's no one who's not. You know, there are no accidents. There's no extras. I think that a lot of us are like, oh, I don't really know why I'm here. Like, you're not born to just like pay bills and pay your taxes and lose weight and die. Like, you're you're here for a reason. You know, if we look at nature, nature doesn't mess up. Like, they're not like, okay, we're just gonna like do summer after winter this year, just like, you know, spice things up. Like, there's there's a purpose <laughs> to everything. Right. So nature is whole. We can all agree that everything in nature as a cycle has a purpose. A plant's not like, I don't think I can do it. It's like, you become a plant. And we are born as part of nature, you know? So we intrinsically are whole. Now, I think where a lot of us get stuck is now, how does that manifest? Like, how does that actually show up? And what do I do in my everyday life? So if all of our purpose is to raise consciousness, each of us has a unique expression in which we're going to do so. So for example... One person's dharma might be to create beauty, right? So they may spend some time as a photographer and then they might be a stylist and then they may work at a nail salon and then they might like start an Etsy store and they might be like, oh, I'm such a failure. Like I keep starting these new things and ending them, such a failure. But actually they're doing their dharma, you know, they're creating beauty in this world. And there's many different expressions in which that can manifest. But that, that red thread is always there. So for example, you know, my dharma is to share wisdom with the modern world and make it fun and relatable and to also help people find their purpose. So I might do so in a topic about like Ayurveda and like literally connecting to your body or we might be talking about purpose or we might be talking about relationships and we might be talking about these cards. There's so many different things that we could talk about. I could be on a podcast. I could be talking in person. I could be doing, you know, there's so many different ways it could show up, but it's the same thread. So I think where a lot of us get stuck is we think, our dharma, our purpose is related to a career. And it's not. It may or may not manifest as a career. Some people don't want to monetize their dharma. Some people don't want the pressure of that. So they rather like just, you know, create their paintings and not have to sell it because they don't want to, you know, drop the joy out of it. But 
for a lot of us, we also have to support ourselves. So the amount of time that it takes to really get good at something, it kind of has to be your full-time thing, right? Like if you just if you had a nine to five and then you had this podcast, like after a certain point, you'd be like, I don't have, I can't grow this podcast because I need to give more time to it. So that's going to require you to figure out how to monetize it. And that's going to require you to step into, okay, like how do I work my pitta and get sponsors and do all of these things? But it's worth doing that because that allows you to do what you love to do full time. So I think your dharma and and you might have a different take, but you know, you're you're able to converse with people. You're able to have conversations that brings forth their wisdom. You're able to create a space where people can discuss. And then you're also able to help people feel like like a mega version of themselves, right? Like feel beyond this human form. And, you know, I think all of your life experiences, whether it's related to drugs or related to biohacking, is you wanting to feel like superhuman, meta-human, you know? So that might be a thread in your life and it's going to continue. So it might be a TV show, it might be a product, it might be this, it might be that. But as long as you're still doing like your mission statement, that's still your dharma. What were you doing before you started doing what you do now and what was what was dissatisfactory about it enough for you to go hmm maybe this isn't it yeah so so i mean i i started blogging when i was 19 years old so i started quite young on on my journey of sharing but i never thought it was going to be a career i didn't even know that that was possible it was like i was like one of the first people who was even blogging in that way and i thought i was going to be an international human rights lawyer because i always knew i wanted to help people on a large scale so I'm like, help people, large scale, like lawyer. That looks like the category. Cause like we're taught, like here are the five careers you can choose from. Like you like to talk, lawyer, psychologist, pick. Because it's like podcasts didn't exist. None of this stuff existed. And we're all here to like literally create our own careers. So then I started working in NGOs and I moved to DC and I was like, I want to be actually connecting with people. Like I don't want to be raising money for the next fundraiser. And I like I want to have a lifestyle that I love. I don't want to be like the martyr to try to help people. I'm like, how do I do both? I thought like you either help people and your life sucks or you are selfish and you don't help people. Like it's one or the other. I never right. saw people doing both. Right. So then I was like, I didn't know I worked at this advertising agency that did like a lot of travel and that was like, you know, it's corporate. And I was like, I... I could not survive here. And then I was just so confused because I started to go through different health problems. And I was like, I was supposed to be a human rights lawyer. Now I'm nothing. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And then all the pressure from my family of like, why aren't you a pharmacist? Why aren't you a real estate agent? Like, why don't you have a normal job? And then all of the fear that they're projecting onto me of like, are you going to become homeless and like die because you're, you don't have a regular job? So that was the lesson that my soul needed because it helped me trust myself. It helps me become strong. It helped me to honor myself and trust myself. Like growing up with immigrant parents, you're selfish if you want to do what you want to do. Like your whole life is actually meant to make everyone around you happy. You know? So then, you know, they tell you, follow your dreams. And then once you do, they're like, you are a selfish bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, is my whole life a lie? Like, was I really just like brought up to just like, you know, hang out around you and like, make enough money to keep up appearances so your friends don't ask you questions. And then I left. I left to India and I was studying Ayurveda there. And again, not knowing how I would ever come up with a business of this, all I knew is that I was excited about it. And I also knew it was really cheap for me to live in India so I could keep on doing this. So I was willing to give up anything for me to keep learning about what 
what was interesting for me. And then I later went to Bali. And then being in Bali, I literally lived with a family in the rice fields that I was like working for them so I could stay with them for free so I could have some space to write this book. And then finally, I wrote this... I thought you write a book and it just like ends up at Barnes and Nobles. And then I like come to LA and I like learn about that whole process of like, you know, you have to have a literary agent and a business and all of that stuff. But but what what I learned is that the lessons that we have to go through for our dharma are our preparation for it. Like you have your dharma, you have that gift that you were meant to share with the world, but it doesn't mean that you're ready for it. And sometimes you have to go through lessons and experiences because that's like your dharma university. And if you don't go through them, you're not going to have the strength to really follow through with it. So, you know, I could have had, you know, and I often did, like when I was 23, I wrote this whole book on how to find your soul's purpose, but I was not ready to teach that yet because I hadn't like fully stepped into mine. So, you know, sometimes you have ideas for things that are like way far in your future, but you haven't built up yourself enough to do them. So you're like, okay, that's on the shelf of something I know I'm going to do in this lifetime, but... I need to gain some more experience in that. And if we don't go out there and seek the experiences, the experiences are going to seek us. And this is just, you know, in in the Vedas, we say, when you're living in alignment with your Dharma, you experience Kriya. You experience flow and synchronicities and the universe propelling you in the right direction. But when you're not, when you steer off that highway towards this makes money or this makes sense or whatever it is, you start to experience karma. And karma are those blocks. It's the pushback. And essentially... It's here to support you. It's actually here to bring you back into the direction of your dharma. But what it feels like is like at first a poke, you know, like, I don't know why I'm just like feeling anxious the past couple of weeks and you don't listen and then turns into a punch. And it's like, I don't know why like everything just sucks and nothing's working out and things are just have been so off for the past couple of months. The universe is trying to propel you in the right direction. You don't listen. And then it can turn into an accident. It can turn into something that's so over the top that you have no choice but to not listen. It's like at this choice, you have you have two options. You either change your whole freaking life, which happened to you, or you live the rest of your life in misery. And a lot of us have to get to that point because a lot of us aren't... aren't we, we, we were taught life's hard, get a helmet. We're taught life is going to suck, so you better fucking deal with it. So when in life is karma is knocking, it's like, hello, you're going the wrong way. We're like, I guess this is the human experience when it's not. It's supposed to be flow. It's supposed to be synchronicity. And oftentimes we get to those situations like Eckhart Tolle, for example, like getting to the point of being suicidal that he's like, whoa, I want to be present. I want to be a different person. But you don't have to keep getting to that point. You don't have to have the breakdown to have the breakthrough. You don't have to have the pain to have the purpose. Some of us need to get there, but others of us can fine tune our understanding of like, okay, things are feeling off. So before I get like totally off track, let me switch directions so I can get back into Kriya and move towards my Dharma. At what point in your current career did your parents and family get it and be like, oh, okay, this is a real thing? You <laughs> or, know, or like, have they? <laughs> how's it out now? Okay. <laughs> You know, it's like, I think a lot of listeners here understand like your parents have gone through their own life experiences, their own traumas, which creates their own limiting beliefs. So everyone's going to project their own limiting beliefs of what they're capable of in their life onto you and your life. So when I'm saying, oh, I want to become an author, they're like, author. (laughs) That's like being a starving artist. Like you're never going to make it. And if that's your only feedback, you're never going to make it, you're never going to make it. You begin to create that as your own reality. So I had to literally like base myself from them, have people around me who are, you know, they weren't 
rich or anything like that, but they were living their own purpose. So Ex- then expanders. Expanders, right, exactly. Yeah. And then I, you know, I wrote the book and then I got the book deal for Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Then I walked up to Deepak Chopra at a conference and he wrote the forward of my book. And then the book came out and like they have the book in their hands and they're like, okay, like, what, so when are you going to become a real estate agent? You know, it's like <laughs> still right. in their heads. Like the book is like right. something you do on their side. So I think it's like once they saw that I was just, you know, there's no turning back. Like I'm, I'm fully in my power. I'm going to do this. I'm able to support myself doing it. Um, they kind of just... It's like you either want to have your child in your life or not. So you choose. And now they are obviously supportive of the path. And I think that we chose our parents as much as they chose us. And we... you know, Our parents kind of teach us the first you know, part of our lives. And then we really teach them. So I believe that we are all born into the microcosm of the problem that we were meant to solve. So you may have been born into addiction. You may have been born into closed-mindedness. You may have been born into poverty. You may have been born into whatever it is, the the familial issue that you were born into. And that's because your soul is like, okay, let me really understand this problem at a root. Be born in a family that this is happening because then I'm able to understand the full conditioning of it and then remember who I am outside of it. So me being born in a family of, you know, my grandmas and everyone before being in child marriages, like 10 to 14 years old, being married to people way older than them who already had husbands, like my entire lineage being that. No one ever having worked that's a woman in my family ever before me. So me literally... Never. So so me being this like empowered woman who's speaking on stages and like dancing and twerking and like doing all these things (laughs) is like, like, what is happening? But but I had to have been born into that lineage of female suppression and closed-mindedness and tradition, patriarchy to understand it, to even have compassion for it and then to be able to break free from it. Yeah, that's that's a really... um... Uh, that's such a liberating way to see things. You know, I, I really had to work hard uh, for a long time now. It comes much more naturally, but to see sort of the different roadblocks that are in our life, whether it be familial or self-imposed or romantic relationships or anything that you feel like, God, this is, why is there uh, so much pushback here? Right. And it's like, well, I asked for this. This is what I needed. Oftentimes it takes um, a really kind of, you know, hindsight view of it. And early on for me, it took a really long time to look back and be like, oh, okay, I see why this happened. And then those gaps kind of get shorter and shorter where sometimes even during a little bit of turmoil, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of already seeing the lesson here, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Even before you're completely out of the woods. Yes, yes. Anything that happens to you, what is this teaching me? What is this yeah. teaching me? And then the sooner you learn the lesson, the sooner you come back into Kriya. And then life is just like, I'm on your side. Like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you eat the right people at the right time and the right places. And then anytime you feel off, what is this teaching me? Come back into it. I love it. All right. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left, nine minutes specifically. Um, Let me see what I want to ask you about lastly here. No, you know what I've been curious about? Sometimes when I know people that are on the show and we're, you know, casual friends, we see each other at events and hang out here and there. Um, and I'm always looking at like your business prowess. Like you're such a great businesswoman and you're just accomplishing so much and books and these products and all of this stuff. Um, where do you learn about online marketing and all of the things that you're, that you're putting out there in the world? In other words, you have your Dharma, you've discovered it. That's one thing is going, I see what my unique gifts are. 
I've identified kind of the audience that wants to benefit mm-hmm. from those gifts, but then you have to either hire someone right. or you have to have the wherewithal to kind of understand how to turn that into a business that you can buy a house and have a family and do all the things that most of us want to do. Right. You know, for me, it started as need of necessity. Like I have to figure out a way to create a living for myself. Otherwise I can't do this work. So I started to just learn online on YouTube, sign up for different like digital marketers, email lists. I just start to learn everything there was. And again, this was like 10 years ago when I started. So things were very different. It was like SEO practices and all of that. So with that, you know, it, it, it gave me curiosity because the more I learn about this stuff, the more I can spread my message and the more lives I can affect. So even though like maybe like tech or marketing is not like my soul's passion, it creates a, a vehicle for me to get my soul's passion out there. And I realize where a lot of people are stuck is in that Vata stage of like, I have the great idea, but I can't do it. So the way that I that I teach it and what I've really realized is the Vata stage are like the higher three chakras, right? Your crown chakra downloads the idea. The third eye chakra intuits the idea. Like, is this for me? What is it going to look like? The throat chakra speaks it. Now for you to do it, it has to come through the heart, like really finding the passion for it, really finding... Who are the people that's lives that this is going to affect? Like, how is this going to change things? Really finding that love for it. I think sometimes we jump so quickly into how's it going to be done without really moving it through the heart. And then from like, the heart is like igniting that fire of, you know, how is this, how is this going to actually fuel me to get through all of the humps and obstacles that are inevitably going to show up? And when that heart is there, that passion is there, you will figure your way around it. And then from that heart, it moves into the solar plexus, which is like that energy of just like, get shit done, do it, ask to the grass, like go. And I schedule days of my week according to the doshas. So I have Vata days of the week that, oh, I, no am, way. that I am just like creating. Like I will not do podcasts. I will not you know, do all these things. I'll just check my email maybe in the morning and I'm just like creating. And then I'll have Pitta days of the week that I'm like, like it's, I'm on a schedule and I get shit done. And then I have a, at least one coffee day of the week where I'm just like chilling, restorative. Like I'm like organizing my home, just like, you know, not caring so much about the business. And this allows me to focus on what I'm focusing on without feeling guilty about not doing the rest. Because what I realized is like, I would just kind of try to do everything in one day. So I would be, so let's say I was like getting a lot of stuff done. Then in the back of my mind, I'm like, you didn't write your book today. You didn't do anything like that. So I'm like giving myself a hard time. So if I know, okay, this is my Vata day. I'm just creating. This is my Pitta day. I'm just executing. This is my Kapha day. I'm just restoring. Then I'm able to set that expectation for myself. I also like to make a priority triangle. So at the top of that triangle is like, what's the main priority of today? And then at the below that are the two things. Okay, once that's done, what are the next things and the next thing? So sometimes I'll literally draw it and I'll have it next to myself. So when I see, okay, I'm going back on Amazon or I'm like doing something else, I'm like, that's down here on the triangle. Like you need to do this thing. So I'll go back up on the priority triangle. That is a dope idea. Yeah. And then even your hours. I, on a good day, I'll make my list of things. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, but there's no hierarchy. So sometimes I'll number them, but right. I didn't write them down in order. So there's like six things, right? And the first thing I wrote down might end up being number six. Right. Then when I look at the list, I'm like, wait, what am I doing? And I'm like, eh, go on Amazon, buy some vitamins. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, the four, or just like my phone's right there and Instagram's going, 
click me, I know. click me. How many likes did that post get? <laughs> you know. So I'll often delete Instagram. You know, you could just delete the app and like re-download it when you want. So if I'm like really trying to write and I, I can see I'm keep getting distracted. I like how you said put your phone in your car. I have not done that yet. That's a good idea. But sometimes I'll just like delete it. So then if I start going through my phone like like a crack fiend like Instagram, <laughs> I, I can catch myself and I and I won't do it. And also dropping the story of what I need to get creative. I think I used to have the story of like, I need to be on a beach in Bali and like everything be like totally chill for me to be creative. And like, you know, life grows, your career grows, you're you're needed in different places. There are things that you want to do. So you don't, I don't always have the luxury of like all day to just create. So I'm able to drop the story of what I need and be like, okay, right now I have like two hours in between meetings. So like, what could I get done in this time? So like I wrote some of these cards when I was doing the actual writing in the DMV, like in places that are not holy and sacred, but it's like the knowledge, the wisdom is in you. And if you can trust that any anytime I can tap into creativity, like does a child ever have like a creative block? No, it's just all in the mind. So I think it's like comes down to making excuses. It comes down to not editing yourself while you're creating. You know, I wrote most of my book, Discover Your Dharma within one month. I wrote Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda two months. Like when I write, I go in there. The reason how is I'm not filtering myself. I'm like stream of consciousness, just like like just writing and writing and writing as if I'm talking to someone. Not is the sentence correct, the grammar. I'm just writing. And then later on, that's just my vata. Later on, when I'm done with that, I'll come through with the pitta brain, which is more like, okay, analytical, organized, what needs to be here, what doesn't. I can't do both at once. I think a lot of us are overthinking things. We're editing things. We're thinking about why it won't work while we're coming up with the idea. So we're like blocking the flow of energy. So let that come through, come through the crown, like let it, you speak it to existence, let you feel the energy of through it. And then after you've you know, created it, birth it through the kapha. So the kapha is the reevaluation. It's the sacred pause. And it's also that thing becoming bigger than yourself. You know, it's like that child like grows legs and walks and lives its own life. And sometimes that's what our projects are meant to do. They're not meant for us to always hold on to. You're meant to start it. And then for that to become a movement that's so much larger than yourself. And then maybe your vessel is being called to birth something else through life. So it's also not having that detachment. Once it's come through, it might change because it might be needed in a different way. And that idea never belonged to me. It just came through me. So if I can let go of that egotistical desire to hold on to it, it could actually turn into what it needed to turn into. Boom. Wow. Powerful stuff. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life that you can send our audience to go check out in two minutes? Yeah. So I mean... Deepak Chopra has obviously been a huge and influential person in my life because I started reading his books at a young age and he's been someone who really has brought Vedic wisdom to the world. So love Deepak Chopra. Many people are familiar with him. You know, from a Vedic perspective, there is a guy named Dr. Suhas Kashir Sagar, which is a hard name to remember, but... I feel sorry for the show notes, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but if anyone likes more Ayurvedic stuff, he's a really great Say one. Say the name slowly one more time for Dr. my guys. Dr. Suhas Kashir Sagar. Really good with Ayurveda. Thank you. And um, recently, I read a book I really liked by Matt Kahn called Everything is Here to Help You. And I really liked that because he took topics, anxiety, anger, stress, and like, oh, this is actually how it helps you. This is actually how it's alchemy. And I think a lot of us were like, 
only be positive, only be happy, only be this. And it's like, why would we have such a breadth of emotions if we're not meant to feel them all? So it's like seeing how like even anger is like teaching you your boundaries. Like even anxiety is teaching you how much you're capable of. Like if you can turn those and see that they're actually supporting you, then they're no longer experienced as negative emotions. And I've really been on a tantric path and a tantric journey recently, like diving into what that science looks like. And that's what it's all about. It's like letting go of duality and right and wrong and just experiencing everything as it is. So where can people find your websites, books, social, all that stuff? Yeah. So my website where you can take my dosha quiz is IamSaharRose.com. And my website is also IamSaharRose. And I have a podcast called Highest Self Podcast. Which is crushing it. Oh, like I can't num- wait to have you back on. Yeah. Like number one in spiritual yes. uh, category. Like yes. insane. So yes. dope. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we found time to do this. Uh, thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Man, what a treat to sit down with Sahara at the Attune event in Atlanta. Uh, It brings me great pleasure to be able to record these conversations and bring them to you. So thank you so much for listening. If you ever hear this, Sahara, I love you, girl. I know right now as I record this, you were hanging out with my girlfriend all day. And thank you for being not only a great guest, but a great friend to my lady. This Tuesday, we've got a fantastic show, and this one comes uh, at much request, and that is EMF Solutions, How to Mitigate Cell Phone, Wi-Fi, and Computer Radiation Dangers with Daniel Debon. This is a very detailed show on EMF Solutions, so not the fear-mongering that I've done in the past, admittedly, because shit scares the hell out of me, Uh, but seriously, really good solutions on how to use your technology safely. So it's a very focused show on EMF, and in that particular interview with Daniel that comes out Tuesday, uh, I really took into account a lot of your questions. People DM me on Instagram and of course, members of the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group, of which you should be a member if you're not by now. That's the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. A lot of the questions about EMF are very specific. What do I do with my phone, my computer, my Wi-Fi router, all of that kind of stuff. And so Tuesday's show, I think is like two hours just on everything you could ever imagine in regard to making your home environment, your office, your car safe while still having the advantages provided to us by the use of our modern technology. Again, I'm going to invite you to join the newsletter and get the super badass brand new show notes, which are so thorough. They're timestamped. We've got transcripts on the website now. If you get on the newsletter, you're going to get the show notes every Tuesday with all of the links. It's all clickable. It's really well done. I'm super proud of it. My team at Create Media has gone above and beyond the call of duty. My show notes are some of the best in the business, honestly. I follow a lot of other podcasts. I see how everyone's doing things and I always want to be better because I'm the best. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But I want to be. So go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Or on a US phone, text the word lifestylist to the number 44222. Please note that due to the coronavirus travel restrictions, many of my upcoming events have rescheduled. At the time of this recording, we've got Paleo FX in Austin, July 14th through 16th. We've got Upgrade Labs Biohacking Conference in Beverly Hills, July 24th through 26th. And we've got Meet Delic in LA, August 8th and 9th. And the Health Optimization Summit in London, September 12th and 13th. 
I'll also be heading back to one of my favorite places on earth, Cuixmala in Mexico, June 17th through 24th for the Healing Power of Energy Retreat, where I'll be documenting my experience there via live stream and also recording some podcasts that whole week. So those are the dates for now, but always make sure to visit lukestory.com forward slash events for up to the minute reports on any changes that might take place. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. See you there. And if you see me at an event where I'm speaking, come say what's up. Come say hi. Let's take selfies. Let's hang. Let's like, let's chat. I want to get to know you. It's very lonely here in the podcast studio when there's no guests, seriously. And when I get to meet you guys out in public, it's so awesome. Everyone has a favorite episode or they tell me how they've applied some of the things they've learned. They're doing the Kundalini yoga. They're doing an ice bath. They learn to meditate. They're on the Joe Dispenza you know, guided meditations, doing all the things. And it's so fun for me to see in person the impact and to see the transformations that are taking place from people that uh, apply the wisdom generated here by my guests on the show. Speaking of uh, generation, we need to generate some income here, folks. It's, it's, you know, it's the dirty part of the podcast world. You've got to fund this stuff. I got to pay for those show notes and the videos and all that stuff and how that happens is by the support of our show sponsors. So I want to thank Four Sigmatic. I think they've been with me the longest. You know, the medicinal mushrooms, the uh, instant coffee. I take their instant coffee with me everywhere I go. I mean, every time I travel, I can't be playing around with no Starbucks, toxic, moldy, nasty ass, fluoride filled water mess. I ain't having it. So what I do is I go to foursigmatic.com slash Luke Story, enter the code the lifestylist and save 15% off. If I want that coffee sweet, I'll put some Beekeepers Naturals Super Chronic Honey in it. You can find them at beekeepersnaturals.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST there. And again, save 15% off. Then the probiotics to keep the gut healthy, just thrive. And you can find that at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. The code there for 15% is Luke15. Seems like there's a lot of 15% off. That must be the margin that all these guys are working with. Whatever it is, I'm stoked because I get to tell you about the most badass products and uh, get you discounts, which which adds up. You know, I notice like myself when I order stuff, if I have 10, 15, 20% off, um, it doesn't seem like a lot in your cart, like on one purchase. But if you add it up, if it's something you order every month or every few months and you re-up your supply, it actually does help. I mean, at least kind of eliminates sales tax plus a few percentiles there. So Just Thrive, Beekeepers Naturals, and Four Sigmatic, thank you so much, all these great companies for supporting the show and supporting my audience and their health. And um, I really appreciate you listening to the show and doing what you can to support. If you can't support the sponsors, you know, you're low on funds right now, listen to some of my shows on manifesting abundance first and and get that money in your pocket. And then, uh, you know, in the meantime, just keep sharing these episodes with friends and posting them on your Instagram stories and helping to get these links out to as many people as possible. I truly appreciate it, you guys. Every time you share this with a friend, uh, uh, when things go viral, it's really the most powerful way to share them. And I don't have a budget to advertise for the show. So the only way that I get more downloads, which means for me, the ability to travel more and produce higher quality content with sometimes bigger guests. I mean, it's not always about a big guest. I like to interview people that have never even been on a podcast because no one knows about them. So there's something to be said for that. But I have some really big dreams about the the scope and reach and, um, you know, the 
uh, position of some of the guests and some of them are really hard to get to and they don't want to be on the show unless you have 20 million downloads and I'm only at four, which I'm grateful for, don't get me wrong, but some of the people I'm approaching are difficult because everyone wants them on their podcast. So when you share the show and help me get those downloads up and you're subscribing and doing ratings and reviews and all of that, it really, really helps. And I know it's a pain in the ass to stop and like text a show to someone or leave their rating and review in the Apple podcast app. Um, I just want to listen to podcasts and not do anything for them either. <laughs> I'm just like you, lazy as hell. See how I kind of included you in that? Maybe you're not lazy. Maybe you're already doing that. If you are, thank you. But I just want you to know how much it's really appreciated. Not only that you listen, but that you support the sponsors and leave reviews and share the episodes with friends, etc. It really does add up. And with that, I'm going to leave you hanging and eager for next Tuesday's show, EMF Solutions, man. That one's going to blow your mind. If you're someone that's been sending questions in to me about how to deal with EMF, um, I have delivered, my friends, and it's going to come at you next Tuesday with Dr. Daniel. No, he's not a doctor. No, he's just Daniel. He's just DD. He's DD, man. Daniel DeBond. Join me on Tuesday. God bless. Love you so damn much. <laughs>